Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest from the world of commercial aviation. Here's the news we've got for you this week. Coming up today, I'll take a look at how the first quarter went for plane maker Boeing, while Tom takes a look at Lufthansa's annual results. Joe will also talk us through the Q1 results for Airbus, and I'll dive into the eight flights helping India to fight COVID-19. Finally, I'll recap the second ever flight of the unusual looking dual hull aircraft known as Stratilaunch. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And Joe, tell us what's happening over at Boeing. So... Um, As is usual for this time of year, Boeing's first quarter results were released and it wasn't a great surprise. Total revenue was down 10%. Um, It wasn't all Mm. bad news. The plane maker brought in $15.2 billion in the three months of the the first quarter of this year. Um, But overall, it recorded a net loss of over half a billion dollars, um, 561 million to be precise. And this was actually better than the loss it experienced in the same quarter last year. Um, Q1 last year saw a loss of $641 million. So it's going in the right direction, but not very quickly. Um, Overall, Mm. though, this was a shadow of the huge loss that was posted in Q4 2020, which saw Boeing fall to more than negative $8 billion. Um, So on the brighter side, commercial aircraft deliveries were up 54% in the quarter. They delivered a total of 77 aircraft, and that's compared to just 50 in the same quarter last year. Um, So... A lot of that, as you might expect, has been delivered by the resumption of deliveries of the 737 MAX. Um, The company says that since it was ungrounded back in December, 85 have been delivered and 31 airlines have returned their fleet to service. So, you know, there's still a huge backlog to clear, but they're getting there. Um, Because of the backlog, they're going to continue to produce the MAX at a relatively low rate through the rest of 2021. Um, But they did reveal plans in early 2022 to increase output to 31 planes a month. And there'll be further increases in production going forward in line with market demand. Um, So as well as the MAX, the plane maker successfully resumed its deliveries of the 787 Dreamliner. Um, As you know, that type's been a bit of a problem for Boeing, Uh, but they restarted deliveries last month. Um, So just two Dreamliners were delivered to customers during the quarter. And there were also six 777s, five 767s and just one 747, a lot of which will have been uh, freighters, not passenger planes, Mm. of course. So, as as expected, the 737 MAX made up the bulk of the deliveries in the quarter. They managed to shift 63 to customers this uh, first part of the year. Um, I mean, it beat zero last year. Well, yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So, on the topic of the Dreamliner, um, as I mentioned, this has been something of a thorn in the side of Boeing. Um, So, if you've been following the Dreamliner's new problem and the new, new problem and the new, new, new problem. (laughs) What about the new, 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 new problem? (laughs) The main issue is issues with fit and finish. Um, There's problems with the Mm. fuselage joins, and that means that Boeing's got to do quite a bit of work to get them out to its customers. Um, 
And CEO Dave Calhoun described it as nagging problems. Um, but they're working really hard to get these issues fixed once and for all. So um, Dreamliner outputs back online since deliveries resumed last month. But there is a significant backlog to get through. So speaking at the earnings call, Calhoun said, we've delivered a total of nine 787s since restarting deliveries last month. So obviously some of those fell outside of the first quarter's reporting period. Um, with hmm. potentially a couple more by the end of this week. What we know today is that we still expect to deliver the majority of the 787 aircraft currently in inventory by the end of the year. Now, the stored inventory of 787s is not insubstantial. Um, Boeing estimates that around 100 aircraft are sitting around Seattle waiting delivery for customers. Um, it's a small portion compared to the 737 MAX that are waiting to deliver, be delivered, but that is, you've got to admit, still a sizable backlog. Mm. But uh, this is quite a big one. Yeah. <laughs> and big wide body planes too, so they take up more space. But uh, Boeing's mm. got plans in place to deliver all 100 by the end of 2021, or at least the vast majority of them. Um, but surprisingly, it's not the fix that's taking the time to deliver these aircraft or that that delivery rate isn't going to be led by the fixed time. Um, CFO Greg Smith said that the teams that are doing the rework are getting more efficient with every aircraft. He described this mm. as sort of coming down a learning curve. Um, so, you know, they're able to fix between 10 and 12 aircraft per month at least. And he thinks that number can increase as the time goes on. The issue now is related to COVID travel restrictions, which obviously are causing massive problems on the logistical side of delivering aircraft. So, you know, getting mm. crews in and out to actually pick up the planes remains something of a challenge. Um, but good luck to Boeing in delivering 100 Dreamliners by the end of the year. Yeah, hopefully BAs will be among them. Yeah, that would be nice. That's the 10, isn't it? Yeah, the 10. They've got two. And uh, I know at least one is in Victorville, but there's quite a few built that are just sitting around. Cool. I'm sure they'll arrive soon. Well, be easier if they open the transatlantic travel corridor soon, please. Mm. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see on that one. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how is it going over at Lufthansa, Tom? Yeah, so on the topic of earnings calls, I was on Lufthansa's Q1 earning call earlier this month. And basically, um, the current figure of Lufthansa's loss per month um, is 235 million euros or $285 million. So that's how much money it's like burning each month, wow, roughly. Wow, that's quite a lot. Um it does hope to get slightly better for this quarter that we're currently in. It hopes to drop that to just 200 million euros or $242 million. So not a huge improvement, but I guess anything is better than today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, the airline is not expecting this year to be great. It's expecting across the whole year to operate around 40% of its pre-crisis capacity. Obviously, so far has been terrible. Uh, it's going to ramp up, but... Um, the first three months are going to really have an impact. Um, although it is ready to sort of ramp capacity up to 70% in an absolute best case scenario, which I think is very wishful dreaming at the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're sort of like, they're, they're going for VFR traffic being the first to recover, followed by uh, leisure travel. And they think both of those markets will recover 100% by like mid 2023 at the latest but it, they reckon by 2025 business travel will only be at 90% of previous numbers so 
you know, like swings and roundabouts there. Some of it's getting better, but we've got to wait for some of it. Um, what I did find really interesting, uh, there's a couple of points that I found quite interesting that I wanted to sort of pick up on. Um, the first was premium economy, because we all know like premium economy is sort of a, a bit of a moneymaker for airlines, but um, I didn't realize how much of a moneymaker it was for Lufthansa. So um, according to Karsten Swar, um, the premium economy cabin has a higher margin per square meter or square foot than business class, economy class, or first class. Wow. And the actual number is that um, its contribution per square meter is 39% higher than business class. That's amazing. Um, so I'm not going to go into exactly why, because if you want to do that, you can uh, read it online and it's quite a long explanation. Um, <laughs> but on to the next Lufthansa point, um, Spohr sort of, he, he made it clear that nobody leaves a pilot job at Lufthansa because there's no better pilot job in the world. And where I'm going with this is that um, the airline still has around 10,000 too many full-time employees. And um, when I say full-time, it could be like two half-time employees. Uh, two part-time employees working half a full-time hour would be one full-time employee. So got it. Yeah. Um, they've got about 10,000 too many and um, there's going to be no job cuts yet because there's agreements with all of the unions, but the ground crew and pilot um, agreements are set to expire this time next year. And um, basically Spore said, either way it's going to cost the same for Lufthansa because either people are going to have to um, leave voluntarily um, or forced, or uh, they're going to be keeping everyone, but they're going to be there's going to be less work and less money for everyone. Goodness. Um, so it's not the greatest of news if you're working at Lufthansa, but you can you know like you can kind of see where he's coming from from a sort of general point of view of yeah, the industry right now. I do get it, but it does sting a bit when yeah. they had a 10 billion yeah. euro bailout and then they're saying yeah. they've got 10,000 too many workers and then the next week they order more planes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the one thing I did find particularly interesting though is that there is no concern at Lufthansa over the Green Party getting any power in Germany and it's quite interesting because we've got a big election coming up in Germany this year that I can't vote for because I'm not a European citizen anymore oh <laughs> but that's another story um, so uh, the Green Party took the lead in the German polls last week so they've now got 28% whereas Angela Merkel's party has 27% uh, but Spohr was not at all worried he said if you look at the states in Germany where the Green Party is in power you see that once they're in power they very much shift their policies towards supporting the economy um, and of course Lufthansa is a very big part of the German economy yeah um, you sort of maybe thinking back over to France. I think you talked last week about, or a couple of weeks ago, about how they're planning to cut domestic flights. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, Sport actually revealed that um, if they did this, the exact same thing in Germany, only one of Lufthansa's routes would actually get cut, and that would be from Dusseldorf to Stuttgart. Um, so he rather sees that um, there will just be minimum prices, say, of thirty euros, which is thirty six dollars. Right, um, a bit like they're doing in Austria. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly the Austrian style thing, which I'm sure he would love because we've spoken many times about his love of Ryanair's first <laughs> low, low fares. Um, Irresponsibly yeah. low. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, we've got to wait and see what happens there. Um, and sort of just briefly, yesterday as well, um, 
as we're recording this, there was a new Lufthansa airplane order, so they're going to take uh, five uh, white, uh, white tail, I was going to say white body, uh, white tail 787s, and they've also ordered another five A350s. So if you want to read more about that, head over to our newly designed uh, Simple Flying homepage at www.simpleflying.com. Only newly designed for desktop users, though, at the moment. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Apologies. Do hop on your laptop or computer and yep. have a look because it looks really cool. <laughs> mm. And we put a lot of work into it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, obviously, we can't talk about one playmaker's results without including the other because last week Airbus 2 posted its results. It was a busy week for earnings calls. Um, and amazingly. What about Airbus 1? What's Airbus 1? You said Airbus 2 posted its <laughs> results. <laughs> That's such a dad joke, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so amazingly, Airbus actually posted a small profit in the first quarter. It swung to a profit of 362 million euros, which is around about $439 million, which is in contrast to its loss of 481 million euros or $522 million in the same quarter last year. So just like Boeing, deliveries were up over 2020, although its order book took a bit, bit of a hit in terms of cancellations. We'll go into that in a minute. But, uh, you know, as you'd expect, the deliveries were mainly on the narrow body side. So there were 125 mm. aircraft delivered in Q1. Um, nine of those were A220s. 105 were of the A320 family. One was an A330. And amazingly, really, considering the current situation, 10 were A350s. Um, mm. So as well as getting all those planes out the door, Airbus also secured 39 new commercial aircraft orders, 38 of which were in the single aisle market, as you would expect. Yeah. Um, so overall, the earnings before interest and tax was about 533 million euros, which is significantly more than the 191 million that was posted in the first quarter of 2020. However, mm. this was slightly blighted by the cancellation situation. So the overall backlog year on year is down 61 aircraft. Um, and a large proportion of that is 88 aircraft that were cancelled for Norwegian in the last quarter, um, if you mm. remember. Um, I do, yeah. So the CEO, Guillaume Fauri, he said that, you know, recovery is not going to be linear. It's going to be choppy. It's going to be difficult. But he assured that the recovery is underway. Um, and as such, Airbus is already looking at a ramp up of its A320 production. So throughout the pandemic, they've been limited to 40 aircraft a month. Um, but as soon as the second half of this year, Airbus wants to increase this. So by the third quarter, they're going to be um, chunking out, oh, chunking out, <laughs> churning out 43 aircraft. <laughs> I like it aircraft per month um, and hopefully that will rise to 45 by the final quarter of the year so you know that would be a good thing but it's still a long way behind its original plan pre-pandemic of 60 aircraft per month in 2020 mm. um, but Airbus is already working with its engine makers to scale up the production to meet this coming demand um, if you remember before the pandemic in the past engine supply has been something of a limiting factor there was a time factor. before the pandemic there was you, I can barely remember <laughs> So, um, yeah, delays on engines quite often limited the speed at which aircraft could be dispatched from Toulouse. So Airbus is already asking um, suppliers for the, the CFM engine and, and the other one uh, to get ready now mm. for the ramp up later in the year. 
Um, so that will be exciting to see. And then obviously going into 2022, 23, the ramp up will continue um, given the market demand. But of course, a hot topic during the earnings call, not so much from the Airbus side, but certainly from the journalists and the analysts in the room, uh, was this A350 freighter that's been uh, mm. discussed fairly um, frequently in the past few weeks and months. Um, you know, of course, Airbus doesn't really have anything significant in the freighter market. They've only ever offered the A330-200F and before that the mm. A300 A300 as new builds. The A330F has yep. only sold 38 units and has a current backlog of precisely none. Um, so, you know, this isn't a great position. Boeing has a complete monopoly on the market. Um, and being asked about the potential for an A350F, Forey said, we have the products to be more aggressive with that in the future. When it comes, is not clear. We are looking at that segment very seriously and we think it's not healthy to have one player on the market. We want to bring our contribution to that situation. So, hmm. so you know, he said that both Airbus's wide-body products are good platforms for cargo planes, actually. Um, but from the customer side, the A350 in particular has been seen by Airbus's customers as a really strong contender for freight. But uh, he did hmm. warn that until the decision is made, there is no decision. So, you know, it's <laughs> like a, a sort of yes-no at the moment. But uh, it's hmm. certainly looking positive. Hmm. Well... I'm hoping still to see the A380 freighter, but we know that's <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't think so, Tom. <laughs> so, jumping back to COVID, I know we've done so well to stay off of it for um, of the last couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it was kind of interesting because it's all really kicking off in India at the moment. And on Friday, the nation registered over 400,000 new cases in just one day. So that made it the first country to have reached this. I, I don't want to call it a milestone because it's that no. sounds very positive to yeah. me. Um, but you know what I mean? There's the first country to have managed to do that since the pandemic started early last year. Yeah. Um, what it has meant, though, is sort of an outpouring of support from the entire industry um, all coming together to try and get the, the things that India needs um, to fight this. Um, because, you know, like as long as uh, variations and stuff are spreading in India, it's a threat to all of us. So it's all in all of our interests. Um, one thing I found particularly interesting is um, that did you see the visitor that they got on Saturday? I did not. No, so um, the German VIP A350 ended up um, flying out there. It was kind of commissioned by the uh, commissioned requisition, something um, <laughs> something like that. The um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but if you find it, let us know. Um, they, they basically said, yeah, borrowed. Uh, let's go with that. They basically said, um, we're taking this and they filled it with uh, five ton of aid. So I think there was about 120 ventilators on there. Um, some crew as well, because there's going to be another shipment with A400Ms later this week. Um, but, you know, I found it quite interesting because um, the A350 was chosen because it has uh, this long range of, I think in the case of this A350, it can do 15,000 kilometers. Mm. So this meant that the crew could fly to India and back without refueling. So they only spent a total of two hours on the ground. And the only people that really got off the plane were the loadmasters who had to um, help unload everything. Um, the yeah. pilots, the crew, everyone else stayed on board. Um, and the plane returned to Cologne. But, um, you know, I think it's really interesting because I don't think we'd ever see Air Force One, say, um, <laughs> requisition to do this. Not likely. Um, or even... <laughs> 
some even some of the other government jets you know like i i don't even think like boris one or whatever we're calling that these days um no. would. so you know i thought it was it was uh, really nice to see that germany was getting involved but of course the German government was, wasn't the only party that um, got in on this. So um, Lufthansa Cargo has been flying um, lots of aid to India on its uh, 777 freighters uh, from Frankfurt to Delhi. There were three flights last week alone that carried um, 280 oxygen concentrators on just one of those three flights. Um, and Virgin Atlantic's also getting involved. But what I really liked about the Virgin Atlantic story was that it was very much... Um, um, employee driven rather than uh, management driven so it was actually employees down on the ground uh, like two pilots uh, got involved one of them started raising money uh, in a GoFundMe with other Virgin Atlantic staff and oh, at the time nice. of writing last week they'd um, they'd got £15,000 uh, to buy ventilators and stuff for India oh that's cool um, and another Virgin Atlantic pilot who was already scheduled to fly to um, to India, Jazz Singh, he came up with, he basically reached out to a charity and said, look, I'm flying this 787 Dreamliner to India on Saturday. Can we fill it with uh, ventilators? Because I know you're trying to get ventilators to India. So they kind of, um, it was really sort of like, um, it wasn't like the management and the corporate teams putting this together. It was really uh, the people down on ground zero. So that's I really thought that cool. was yeah. a really cool story. Oh, that's nice. And, uh, you know, if you're in India, best wishes and uh, we hope it gets mm. sorted out soon we've, we've got some of our team in india and i know it's absolute chaos at the moment so i do hope it gets uh, gets resolved and some of this aid starts flowing through to the people mm. yeah so to close our podcast today i wanted to talk about a rather unusual aircraft that took to the skies um last week so um the strata launch you may have heard of it's a huge aircraft really ridiculous looking um it's got twin <laughs> fuselages so one next to the other and it's capable of carrying rockets um it's powered by six boeing 747 engines and it's got the biggest wingspan mm. of an aircraft ever built at 385 feet or 117 meters so that's even bigger than the spruce goose by about 20 meters um, so the, the hulls of the aircraft are largely based on the 747-400 as well, although they don't have the sort of upper deck and they, they don't look much like a 747. Um, but they use all mm. the avionics and engineering of the of the Queen. Um, you get your captain and co-pilot sitting in the right cockpit and the unpressurised left cockpit is for all the data control systems. So th this aircraft okay. was originally built to launch rockets into space from 35,000 feet, a bit like Virgin's um, Cosmic Girl that does the Virgin Orbit launches. Yeah. Um, so it completed a test flight in April 2019, but it hadn't flown since until last week. <laughs> so after two years on the ground, Strata launch took off again from Mojave Air and Spaceport in California. Um, she set off about half past seven in the morning and uh, they, she didn't go very far, really. She just kind of did some test manoeuvres um, in the skies above the Mojave Desert. Um, and it was about hmm. three hours later that she came back to the ground. There was a it was quite exciting because there was a Cessna Citation business jet accompanying it as a chase plane. So there's some pretty cool aerial footage hmm. floating around on uh, YouTube at the moment of this very strange plane. Um, but what are they going to do with it? So. Basically, it looks like, you know, this was just a proving run, maybe just making sure everything's still working, but it's probably not going to be used for launching rockets anymore. Um, it seems to be having something okay. of a change of direction. The, the plan now is it for it to launch vehicles um, 
or to be a launch vehicle, sorry, for reusable hypersonic flight research craft. I don't really understand what okay. that is, but uh, apparently it's easier to do hypersonic if you're already way up in the stratosphere. So uh, it's going to carry them up there and set them off to do research into hypersonic flight. Um, and as opposed okay. to having a fixed launch setup, Stratolaunch says it's ready to bring the aircraft to its customers. So um, it sounds like they're planning to kind of fly it all over the world to wherever their customers are based. Um, so you might see mm. it one day in the skies in <laughs> Europe or <laughs> landing at Heathrow. I, I don't really know. Don't they'd know. have to find somewhere. I don't know if it would fit on the runways at Heathrow. <laughs> no, I I'm know. not sure how wide it is. It's an insane aircraft. But... It really is. But, uh, you know, in some ways, it feels like it's a solution that's still trying to find the problem that it solves. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it is cool. It was cool to see it fly last week, and it will be super cool to see it fly again if and when it does. Mm. Mm. Well, fingers crossed, and hopefully... We might see it in the sky one day. I'm not so sure about it at an airport near me. <laughs> no, I think it needs a pretty specialist airport because of the, the sheer size mm. of this crazy beast. But uh, Maybe you could get Frankfurt just because it's got so many parallel runways and taxiways, you know, that you could just clear all of them and land it on the middle one. <laughs> or maybe you could land like one side on each of the runways. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think that's about all we've got time for today. Um, we hope you enjoyed our podcast and as usual, welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com for more great content you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media simply search for simple flying if you enjoyed our podcast please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player thanks for listening bye bye